An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. And the life that I like and I work toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah. Big love. Hey, uplifters. My name is Melanie Cohen, and I nominate Sonia Weishobel for the uplifters because of the impact she has made on so many people's lives, including my own. She has helped me remove the clutter from my mind since we were teenagers. And now, for over 25 years, she has been helping people remove all kinds of physical and mental clutter and get organized. She is the chaos whisperer, and we could all use one of those in our lives. Sonia is full of love and compassion for everyone. Sonia is a devoted mom, wife, friend, boss, and all-around great person to know. Welcome to the Uplifters podcast. When I asked you to tell me a little bit about you, the first thing you said is, I'm a proud dyslexic who started my company because I didn't want to fill out a resume. I know, some days that haunts me, but on the other hand, it is 100% truthful for, because one used to use a typewriter with whiteout. And that meant that you needed to understand graphically where things were, and you needed to know how to spell. And you needed to know what it needed to look like to create it. So I avoided writing it because I didn't know what to say. Plus, you have to have confidence to know how to sell yourself. I didn't have the confidence at that point. So I thought, ooh, I'll just do what I know how to do, which is take life events and make them into something that I can help others with. Mm-hmm. And since for the last 30 years, Seriata, my company has cleaned out thousands of estates, I am always reminded that you cannot take it with you. And so how someone left this world, it affects them, but generationally, it affects those left behind as well. And so if anything, the one thing that I believe the most in is to know what you own and to only keep in your world what you care about. Some people want to take up an arts and craft, a hobby. They go out, they get everything, but they didn't make room for it in their home. Where are you going to plug in that sewing machine? Do you have a table to put the sewing machine on? Do you have scissors? Do you have the supplies you need? It dies on the vine. And part of the reason it dies on the vine is because it didn't come part of the structure within their calendar. It didn't become part of their standard operating procedures. Every day I wake up and I brush my teeth. I also check my LinkedIn. And oh, by the way, I feed the fish. The fish will go belly up if you don't feed it. Your plants will die if you don't water it or give it its care. Everything you own requires care. So how much time do you have to devote to care? Yes, yes, yes. And on what interval? 
Yes. And then I think we carry so much guilt about the stuff that we got energized or excited about and made a little investment about and then forgot to maintain. The amount of shame people feel over their dead plants. I think the thing that I think is so exciting about you and your work is that it isn't, it isn't a failure. It isn't a shortcoming on your part. It doesn't mean you're bad or lazy or not good or not passionate enough or talented enough. It just means you didn't have the right process set up. If you spend 15 minutes telling yourself you suck because you didn't take care of your plant, you could have gone to the store and gotten a new plant and said, okay, I'm going to take five minutes a day and look at my plant and meditate looking at my plant. And oh yeah, it needs water. Guilt and shame are unproductive and exhausting. Exhausting. Learning, on the other hand, is empowering and energizing. And so that's really what we're talking about. I can sit there and say, oh, I'm the bad person. I should have taken care of my plant. And I can sit there and bemoan it and worry about it all day long. Or I can say, what can I learn from this experience? And translate that into something that energizes me so that I can move forward. How does that show up in your work as an organizer? People come to us in utter chaos, paperwork out of control, They need to file their taxes or they want something like to adopt a child or to do something joyful, but they can't because they can't get their papers together. They don't know where to even begin. So clients come to us in those level of crises. And hiding, I think, most of the time, right? Like we're not dealing with these things either because we didn't have processes in place for them. But I think ultimately even that is about hiding right? Because I I start to feel ashamed. Like I said, that I didn't do the thing. And so then I start to hide from the shame and the guilt and I push it further and further and further into a corner and the corner starts to get closer and closer. Oh, absolutely. When we as a team go into a full-blown horde job, which is chaos beyond, we're doing one horde project now. Now, mind you, the space is a wreck. There's it's unclean. It's, you know, it's a real problem. But does she focus on any of that? Does she see any of that? No. She focused on her microscope. She said, there's my microscope in the center of the floor. Now, mind you, she had a fall, ended up in the hospital and required home health aids. Home health aids arrived and she said, let's do my exercises here. They get to the living room and they're like, not happening. (laughs) And she's like, what's wrong? Because she doesn't even see it. But the microscope, which is in the center of the living room, she's fixated on that is my most special object of the million. Yeah. Because that's what she understands. And that's where she feels confident. I think with hoarders, the research shows that that is associated most often with highly intelligent highly productive, highly engaged people. This is a byproduct of a unique view of the world. And just as with your dyslexia, it set you up to be able to see patterns probably differently and to be able to have magic powers for your clients through your unique way of viewing the world. And for this woman that you're talking about, 
This is the thing she understands. This is the place she feels powerful and control and confident. And so of course she's going to turn back there. And I think what you're doing, if I look at it from a behavioral base, is you and your team are coming in and saying, lean on us. We are going to be your confidence and your courage when you don't have it. And together, we're going to get through the muck and the must and the collected accumulation of fear and hiding and loss together. And then we're going to set you up to be able to turn back to that microscope with an even greater sense of passion and curiosity. That's right. That's with your three-dimensional objects and find the pattern within your space. What does that mean? Find the pattern within your space. Put your vases with your vases, put your shoes with your shoes, put your socks with your socks, you know, just put your stuff that matches together so that then you can pull out the cream of that crop. But you mm-hmm. you don't need 17 spatulas. No, maybe not, you know, but if you are cooking every day and you're doing a chocolate manufacturing or making cookies for the bake sale weekly and you you're teaching others maybe you do need 17 spatulas yeah. but you need to establish that that's actually what you're going to do and make time for versus 17 spatulas and your kitchen can only hold two you know <laughs> so and you're not actually doing those aspirational things that you're saving those for maybe in case someday yeah so first it's looking at the uh, that's it you know it's like how real is this project? How real is it that you are going to bake or you're going to dog sit or you're going to sew or you're going to read? Like really, or that you are size, you know, 15 and you're going down to size four and you've got a wardrobe of size four. Like, are you working on dieting or are you actually going to just beat yourself up every time you open the closet and look at those clothes. Which is it? Right. So I think too, there is this idea, whatever it is of being in the moment you're in. If you keep peeling back, it becomes all about making lists. So people's to-do list is often a dump and run. They put it on a list, but they don't actually manage their list. You'll never be able to do a year's worth of stuff in one day. Mm -hmm. And I also think that there's a difference of putting a project on a to-do list and putting a task on a to-do list. Yes. So if you say, write my will, Mm -hmm. that's a project. If will is on your to-do list, there's the finding an attorney, thinking about who it is, paying the attorney, getting the draft, approving the draft, filing the thing. So you've got 10 tasks, lots of back and forth calendar times, things that need to go in there. So if it's just will on your to-do list, you're likely not going to take that off your to-do list because it's not broken into something that you can accomplish. People don't like to not accomplish. They get overwhelmed because you didn't fully think about all the pieces. I do it in my running my company. I'll say, we're going to switch technology platforms or 
payroll company or something. And yes, I know from my own experience, yeah, that's not a make a call and it's done. They need a lot of back and forth. And then there's a lot of other people who need to do things. And then you've got to manage all that. And this, oh, I can start it on Monday and I can end it on Friday. Yeah, Yeah. it's not going to work. And it's really disappointing. And it's really, really, really annoying. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time, even to those of us who are veterans at managing logistics, because you don't want to hear or you don't want to acknowledge or you weren't in the mood to think about it thoroughly. Yeah. Or we're just excited. Right. And that's why one of the things I say all the time is like, it's okay to change your mind. You can say, I'm excited about this idea and then go and do the research, do that first task, which is to understand what the tasks are and then change your mind. That's power. That's learning. That's strength. And the smartest and successful people are the ones who are best at changing their minds. Quickly. Yeah. There's no shame. What's not a great recipe for success or satisfaction is bearing down and forcing ourselves to think about doing things forever without actually doing them. Ooh, I hate that. Mm-hmm. It's the worst hangover there is. <laughs> it's actually, it goes back to, that is where we find clutter. That's the microscope. That's the sewing machine. That's the spatulas. That's the clothes that don't fit one way or the other. That's the not going to the gym. It's a concept. It's a wish. Yes. Infinite possibilities, expansive opportunity, and yet it stays on the to-do list like the will. Mm-hmm. And so your concept of just stepping into motion and saying, mm, I like this or I don't like this. Oh, maybe, maybe this could work. Maybe this is working. And that's the changing by adding on one more something. Yeah. Try it on. That's a phrase I use a lot in my work. I say, we try on ideas and behaviors, and then we give ourselves permission to take them off again. We don't have to wear everything. No, you can only really wear one outfit at a time. Exactly. We can accessorize it. That's right. We get to learn from each of these experiences. We get to grow even from just the quick trial. Right. We're smarter. We know more about what works for us and what doesn't, but we don't have to keep it all. And it actually feels really good to try it on and then take it off. So I actually think that that overwhelm is also trained. It's like you have to be in struggle. Yes. It only counts if it's hard. Well, I don't like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. The whole no pain, no gain thing. Yeah, it's not working for me. I do believe like stick with it keep showing up if it still matters. But if it's not serving you, it's okay to stop. What psychologically happens when a person inventories their belongings? There is a calmness that comes. There is a planning that comes. There is a awareness. The questions that you need to ask, I'm going to care about my sewing versus the microscope. I'm going to let go of, of the small clothes. I'm going to reward myself with the bigger clothes, the clothes that I can fit and be happy in the clothes that I can let go of. So much of my work is about time. 
So we inventory time, how people spend their time, which time feels like time well spent, which time feels like time that is returning value, which time feels like time wasted. And that teaches us, frankly, everything we need to know about where people are living up to their potential and feeling a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and where we're feeling dragged down and bored and stuck. And it goes the same way. Pay a bunch of attention to what is, then see what it says to you about where you want to go. And as you start to pay attention to what you want more of and less of, you get all the information you need about what clutter you need to clear, either in your schedule and your time or in your stuff or your relationships for that matter. That's your stuff too. Mm-hmm. Because every relationship, in fact, we moved in April and one of the things that you move is the photo collection. And within the photo collection, there was a past relationship of one of the children and it's in a box. And it's just marked with the name of the ex on the box. And it's, I know <laughs> that no one's going to open the box, but one's not ready to get rid of the box, but one needed to box it and not view what was mm-hmm. around. But it's the, when one's ready, that box can just go out to the curb, but one wasn't completely ready to let go. I love that idea though, as a stepping stone, if we aren't quite ready to let go of a hobby right, or a relationship to just, as you said, find all the pieces and parts of it, put them together, put them in a box, put it on the shelf and use that as a transition. That's right. So that when you do feel ready, it's not a big freaking deal to clear it all out and to go find the 4,000 memories and mementos and connective tissue that bind you to it but rather just pick up the box and put it on the curb. Projects can be very much like weeds. They keep coming up. They're always there. So that is an ongoing piece. But then also you can step back and just know that it's always just going to be there. You could go back to the store and pick up new knitting needles and yarn and decide you're going to knit. You don't necessarily need two closets full of yarn if you're not actually knitting ever again. Yeah. Or even if you're not actually knitting right now. Boxing it up and putting it on the shelf, I do think allows that connective tissue like a root to stay together. Mm -hmm. But separate from you. Separate from you. Yes. Not Not to be like a barnacle on you. It gives you freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It can stay with itself, but not be pulling at you. But you get to choose when it comes on and off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in those pieces of movement. Okay. X number of projects you're going to do in a year. Okay. That's how my brain goes. Pick one, pick something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But People tend to pick 300 or 200 and you know you're not going to fulfill it. We have a tendency to underestimate what it will take to accomplish a goal. And that recipe sets us up for, again, a lot of frustration, 
and a lot of overwhelm. The thing that I think is really interesting in what you're saying here, though, about knitting as an example is I do a lot of work with women who are in periods of transition. Right. And I find that so often the biggest block for people is wanting to keep doing what they always did as they try to do what they want to do. So I think my favorite story about this is the client I work with who had, she'd been working as an amazing high powered administrative support and office manager at big companies. And she was really good at her job. She was really successful and she knew she could do more. So she set her sights on leadership roles. And she started doing all these things and having all these conversations about what it would look like if she took on a leadership role. And she was fired up. And she kept getting frustrated because even though she was getting into the room, she wasn't feeling like she was making progress in these roles. And what was happening, it turned out, is that she was putting some energy into the next while holding on to the past. And so she was the one who was really good at setting up meetings for everybody. And she was really good at calendaring. She was really good at planning those events. So when it came time to do them, people would ask her and she felt comfortable and confident and safe. So she said, yes. And she could do it. Yep. And when things got really hard where she wanted to go, she energetically and realistically dumped herself back into those safe places. So she started getting up in the business of the people who were taking on those roles. And and it pulls you back. And I think we do this with eating, with money, with jobs, with stuff, (laughs) relationships, with stuff. We go back wherever we are comfortable. And it's what we saw with Microscope Lady. She was going back to where she felt comfortable and confident. And so I think what you're saying is let's get really clear about what we actually really want next and then understand what's tethering us to the past and make a symbolic and active choice to cut those ties and to free ourselves to move forward. And sometimes that is forced at you by a divorce, an illness, parents needing your help, child needing your help, something. And other times it's self-induced. Put yourself in a position to make a choice instead of being paralyzed by overwhelm and indecision. Yes, absolutely. And ignorance. And I use ignorance in that very literal way. It's just not knowing. And there's no shame in that. If we are stuck, the trick is to get information, to open our eyes And I just did this with my finances. I was like, there's a bunch I don't actually know about my finances. And so I vaguely think I'd like them to be better. But what does that mean if I don't actually know what's there? It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Oh, we can continue another talk another time. How you do one thing is how you do everything. All right. So, Sonia, this is our 11th episode of the Uplifters podcast. Something like 90% of podcasts never make it to episode 10. So I'm marking this occasion. And for the last 10 episodes, we have done a quick lightning round and asked people to share 
a way that they take care of themselves when they need an energy boost, a way that they take care of their community, and a way that they boost other women. We may come back to that. Okay. But for now, to mark this new decade in our podcast life, I want to introduce something new, which is a little moment of reflection. I talk a lot about the power of reflection. I've done a lot of research that shows that people who reflect regularly rate their life overall far happier. Every aspect of their life is more satisfying and more intentional because they know themselves a little bit better. And one of the things I think about a lot with this podcast is that podcast, kind of to what we've been talking about, are really great at triggering ideas and inspiration. I want to learn to knit. I want to sew. I want to figure out my finances. (laughs) I want to go through those 5,000 pictures that my mother left me and know who she was. Awesome. Do it. Awesome. All change starts with an idea, with a bit of inspiration. Not only is it meaningless without action, it's a big freaking hangover. So what we're going to do every episode is I'm going to ask you, guest, listeners, if you're not driving, maybe you're cleaning your house, you're out for a run, just push pause on whatever else you're doing, whatever multitasking is happening. And I want to invite you for just these next 10 seconds to maybe close your eyes. And maybe to even put one hand on your heart and one hand on your gut, maybe root your feet to the earth and join Sonia and I in just a few breaths and a few moments to just ask yourself what this conversation means for you. What has it brought up in you that needs a bit of attention? What might be possible? For you. If you were to take one tenuous, uncertain step into whatever it is that needs your attention next, you may not know the answers right away. (laughs) That's cool. It's totally fine. It will come. That's cool. Just like we started with inventory, just paying a little attention. That's right. So I'm going to invite us every episode now to take just a couple of seconds quietly together to ask some questions, to ground this stuff so that we're not like every other podcast that's just bringing ideas and inspiration and not translating it into action and real attention. And so if this is something you need a little more time with, feel free, hit pause. We will still be here. We're not going anywhere. Go spend five minutes writing about this for yourself or talking to some other uplifter in your life about this. Because you've made an investment in yourself just by listening to uplifters, listening to Sonia, hearing what she does. You've done this for you. And I think that to me is so important. And I'd be curious if we looked at the demographics of the folks who come to you and the uplifters where we might see some intersections because what I find and the women I work with is I work with the women who take care of everyone and everything. And the person that gets left behind and neglected is them. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. Right. Right. Like as a business owner, as a mom of three, as a wife, oh my gosh, it's so hard. Yeah. And so this is our time, Sonia. This is the moment where we take care of us a little bit too. A little bit. And it can't go from zero to everything. So it's like clawing back little pieces and letting go of others. 
<laughs> weeding so that you can so you can make room for that plant. <laughs> That's exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's to weeding our plants. Join us over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Share these stories with women you care about. But most of all, take them for you. Take a little moment to water your dreams. Let's keep rising higher together. Better together. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the uplifters in your life. And then join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love. Painted water sunshine with rosemary and tun. Dwelling up perplexing, though you find it vexing. Toss a star and hover, be your own best lover. Relish in a new prime, plant a tree in springtime. Dance with all hindsight, bring the sun to twilight. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up. Lift you up, whoa. Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace.